0: Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking part in this immersive listening experience. A meaningful existence is a moving
1: target that no matter how close will always be out of reach. We hope this message finds you with an outstretched hand. As we attempt to uncover complex truths, remember, life's toughest questions can be answered if we all just focus on one thing. Being good people. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Good People. Today, I was joined by Katie Welburn. She's a colleague and friend of mine. She is a nutrition therapy practitioner, and we talked about all things women's health, specifically about nutrition. We had an awesome conversation. I hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, Katie, welcome to the show. Um, Let's get started with background information on you. Like, When did you get introduced to fitness, making health a priority, a brief rundown of- how your perspective has changed over the years, things like that. What's your credentials?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I probably first came to um, exercise and nutrition, like I think a lot of women do. Um, I had a baby and I was determined to get my body back, right? I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to look the way I did before I had a baby. And it was all sort of um, you know, about appearances. And so, um, that was probably in my early twenties. I went to school in 2019. Um, I completed an online certification program for nutrition. It was about a 10, 11 month program through the nutritional therapy association. Um, and I've been working with clients ever since.
1: Cool. Um, Let's get a brief rundown of how your perspective has changed over the years that you've done this from even before you got your nutrition certification to now where you currently are. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I was saying, I definitely came to exercise from sort of the perspective of losing weight, getting my body back, kind of, um, you know, being smaller And I think for a lot of years um, and even so I um, over the course of time, I mean, the child that I'm referencing is about to turn 18. So that was a while ago. But I was a home exerciser for probably 10 years um, before I joined a gym. And that, um, you know, my perspective changed a lot then the community aspect that the gym provides has, you know, is, has become incredibly important to me. Um, I think too, like, there was definitely a point in my life where I felt, you know, these messages, these kind of diet culture messages of like hustle harder and nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And, you know, (laughs) we all have the, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Like These kinds of messages, um, you know, I was really behind and I'm not sure that I, you know, over the course of time, my perspective has changed a little bit. Um, Fitness and nutrition is important to me. It's definitely part of my life every day, but it's it's something that adds to my life and not something that takes away from my life, not something that I, you know, put pressure on myself about in the ways that I used to.
1: Yeah, I think That reminds me of just hustle. You said the hustle culture sort of thing in general. You know, I used to – when I was in high school, I used to always wonder – and I would say this to my dad for real. And I – my dad, I know he's going to listen to this, so this is my apology to him. I would be like, I don't understand why, you know, your perspective is to do all this work to relax or – but now looking back, he needed – a balance in some way between like job and real life and family. And I used to always put a lot of pressure on myself to do well and try to be financially successful early on, which I'm not saying those things are a bad thing, but just in general, I think sometimes we can overdo it in terms of work ethic. Isn't the only thing that matters and you can't hustle your way to happiness. It's a, there's a fine balancing act. That's a little bit different to everybody. Um, And it sounds like you're, journey with nutrition is very similar to that
0: yeah well and there's a ton of that in the the fitness and wellness space right this like hustle harder you know do more um yeah it's all over the place and it can be really difficult to sort of um to realize okay i tried this it's not serving me um i need to you know i need to find more of that balance like you're talking about so
1: yeah Um, Who who is it that you help, like the demographic of people that you help? I know you help all sorts of people, but um, that you would mainly consider yourself the people or who would you mainly consider that you help uh, and why do you help those people?
0: Sure. Well, like you said, I work with a lot of different types of people, um, but I would say probably my ideal client is someone a lot like myself. I'm 41 years old. Um, I you know I'm a I'm a woman I want to be strong I want you know I'm focused right now on not so much you know the way I look but being healthy for you know for years to come for decades to come and so I would say my ideal client is someone a woman in her you know middle age who's kind of on that life journey and that health journey I think we get to a point, a lot of women get to a point somewhere in their 30s, 40s, where we have this awakening that we have been spending our time and energy taking care of other people and not necessarily taking as good a care of ourselves. And um, I don't know, I can't speak for everyone, but personally, I got to a point where that was just not sustainable any longer um, and really was kind of forced to make myself a priority um, and I think a lot of women can relate to that. A lot of women find themselves in a similar position. And just also realizing um, you know, the importance of of health as we go into, you know, perimenopause, menopause and, you know, and the years beyond. So
1: cool. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because I hope this episode it feels like a women's health one oh one sort of thing. So like even people younger or older can learn because, you know, you could answer this better than me, but the things we're going to talk about in relation to this specific demographic also applies to people outside of that demographic. And I at least think where we, I know your viewpoint on it, and I know my viewpoint on it. And I know that we both believe that the principles that we're talking about really apply to everyone. And hopefully the stuff we talk about can be, can make health, nutrition, fitness, accessible to people that are outside of this demographic we're talking about, even though we're using women in their thirties to fifties as an example. Um, So my next question is somebody comes to you and they've never done anything in relation to fitness, nutrition. They don't know where to start. What is your starting point with them?
0: Well, um, so I was... I, the fact that they've hired a coach and come to, to someone for help, I think, is the first step. Um, typically, I mean, every client is very different. Um, everyone's coming from, you know, kind of a different eating background, a different fitness background, health background. Um, but typically, the first changes that we make are going to be adding things to the diet, Um, rather than taking things away, focusing on taking things away. I typically do have my clients track their food for me for a period of time. That can happen lots of different ways. That's just for me to kind of get an idea of where they're starting and what kinds of things we need to work on changing. Um, But yeah, typically the first steps, we are looking at adding things rather than taking away. So lean protein, fruits and vegetables, water, movement, the basics.
1: Yeah. And you also said tracking. So starting to pay attention to the things that they're already consuming.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, what gets measured gets managed. We can, um, and again, there are lots of different ways to track food. I have people who have, you know, who track in an app who track with pen and paper, um, people I've had clients before who will track for me with just pictures. Um, but yes, some sort of, some sort of record of what they're eating, and I think it—you know—it helps me as a coach, but also it brings a level of awareness that you really can't get any other way um, than than tracking like that.
1: Gotcha. Um, I think that these things, like a new person who doesn't know what they're doing, and these comments usually come hand in hand. Like, they—I get a lot of clients who come to me and are like, "I've tried to eat clean, or I've been dieting; it just doesn't work." What are some of the things that you typically see people who say things like that. What are the issues that they normally face?
0: Well, what does it even mean to eat clean? Like, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm not even really sure what that means. Um But know. there are. I said that.
1: I knew that you didn't like that term, which is why I said that term. Yeah, and I hate yeah. the term diet because everybody has a diet.
0: Everybody's You're not eating dieting. a diet, right? Exactly. Um, yeah I've, I've I've never really loved this concept of eating clean. I'm not really even sure what that means. It probably means something different to everyone um, but you're asking about obstacles to being able to to do something like eat clean for a long you know for a period of time. There are lots of different obstacles um, to the success of any diet, your environment, your um, you know your, personal ability to hold yourself accountable, your, um, your health history, you know, a a multitude of factors go into this, but ultimately, um, and I think a lot of times we get bored, we get bored with what we're doing. We're constantly looking for the new, um, and exciting thing and we just get bored with it. It's, and, you know, and we fall off the wagon, so to speak. Um, and then we have to have a period of time where we're off the wagon and beating ourselves up about it and then we you know we repeat the cycle all over again so um yeah
1: yeah it's um it's just well how long did you stick with it And people typically say oh you know i did it for about 3 weeks and then i if you're exactly what you're saying we get tired we want to switch we people don't realize this is a multi week month year thing that we have to stick with forever for it to work um, which isn't a, a popular thing to say, but I think it's good to be honest about stuff like that.
0: Right. Well, and I think you know, I'm not sure. Again, I, I'm not sure what it really exactly means to eat clean, but um, but my sort of the way I imagine that to be is probably not something that I would be able to stick with long term. And we are talking about you know finding things that we can that we can be consistent with right now, but ten years from now and yeah. And a lot of times people are entering into a way of eating that they know full well they are not going to be able to be consistent with.
1: How do you overcome that with people? Like there's a mindset there of, I can I can probably name a couple characteristics. This is a big generalization. So not everybody's like this, but people who say, you know, I'm trying to eat clean. I would typically say that they also probably get Crazy when the scale has moved up two pounds. They probably also say, "I'm going to run a couple of miles this morning because I'm going to be bad this weekend." Things like that. Um, how do you overcome that mindset with people? And what does that process look like, time-wise, with a new with a client?
0: Oh, gracious. Um well some clients i you know i'm i'm never successful with there you know some sometimes that's something that we can co- that we can tackle through coaching um and sometimes that's a bigger issue um but yeah i think really truly like finding success with this is figuring out um you know kind of what i call the messy middle? Like, what does that look like? How, what, you know, the balance, the balance between, you know, what I know I need to be doing on an everyday basis, or, um, you know, eating clean, whatever the case may be, versus what I really and truly want to do, figuring out, um, yeah, how much of this that they can sustain long term. And some people, some people truly never do find that Balance. And it's probably because, again, I I talked earlier about the different obstacles to, you know, being successful with any diet. There are a multitude of factors um, your environment, your, you know, your ability to hold yourself accountable. I, one of the things that I provide when I'm, you know, when I'm working with a client on coaching is the accountability, you know, from my side, but you really have to develop that. you know, for yourself. And some people, um, some people are able to do that. Some people um, are not, but um, certainly, you know, mindset, working on the mindset of kind of not every single meal that you eat is going to be the most delicious thing that you've ever eaten. Um, You know, sometimes we have to do, we just have to kind of do what we need to do. And then other times we can be more flexible about, you know, having some fun with it.
1: Cool, um, I like to the I like the term eating well instead of eating clean. Um, what does eating well mean to you? And I guess me as well. I, I would assume that what you're going to say is probably how I feel. But what does eating well mean to you?
0: <clears throat> I I'm not sure if the hopefully this is where you're going with this question, but um, I have sort of a a personal mantra for myself with my nutrition. Um, and that is, I eat foods that bless my body. And that's what eating well means to me. Um, so, you know, some good quality protein and carbs after a hard workout, that blesses my body. The chocolate chip cookie on Saturday afternoon in the kitchen with my kids, that is a food that blesses my body. Um, you know, so it, it sort of allows me to kind of think through, you know, what do I need right now um, in terms of my nutrition versus, you know, kind of, I, I'm trying to think of another example, um, you know, the, the Chick-fil-A drive-through because I've been, you know, super busy all day and didn't plan well. This is maybe not food that blesses my body. So you can kind of see this is how I sort of try to um, you know decide when when is it appropriate to to ha- include more fun foods when do I, when do I need to stick to kind of more of the plan that I have for myself for day in and day out. So that might, you know, so eating well, I don't know if that's um, if you can kind of relate to that, but eating well, I would say is, you know, finding that happy medium between you know, including the nutrients that you know you need in your diet, as well as some of those fun foods that that you just love, and you're including for you know purely joy and um, and happiness.
1: Yeah, I for me, it's I really like that mantra, like food that blesses your body. For me, I just like sum it up to balance. Um, for the most part, the lens that I look through nutrition that I explain to people is very simple. I think that you'll appreciate this. I think I've even had a conversation with you about this before. It's, there's a bucket of the foods that we eat and four out of five of those meals are things that we just like eat all the time. You know, it's the breakfast that you like. You probably have most days. You probably eat the same lunch every single day. There's a handful of dinners that you rotate through on a weekly basis because they're easy and you know how to make them. And so really what it comes down to is those meals in the bucket if if those meals in the bucket aren't good meals if they're chick-fil-a and mcdonald's and you're always going out to eat it's probably gonna the way that your health is represented your body is probably it's probably gonna be obvious right that there needs to be a change somewhere and so it's not about the Chick-fil-A or the donut or the cookie that you have every once in a while. It's about the meals that are in the bucket that you pull from all the time. And the breakfast and the lunch and the dinners that you rotate through are probably 95% of the things that you consume on a weekly basis. And so the big overhaul change to people's nutrition that they think they need to make isn't really that big of a deal because it's just changing one of those meals in the bucket a couple weeks at a time. If that makes sense, yeah. And so, like, ba- balance is that for me. Have good meals in the bucket, and then every once in a while, go out of the bucket and have that cookie, or go out to a, get some drinks with friends, things like that. Um, this is something that's hard for a lot of people to get to. Is balance. What is the process of working with somebody to get them to that point? <clears throat>
0: well. I feel like it is a little bit. It's a little bit different for everyone everybody. Um, but like you said, um, I like your I like your your bucket analogy. Um, you know, Maybe this people is don't wh- want to
1: imagine themselves eating food out of a bucket. But
0: <laughs> this is, you know, like I said, this is why I start kind of with having people track their food for me, so I can kind of get an idea of. You know, like you said. Um, And I, I, I see it. Yeah. I see it on food logs all the time. I feel like we eat about the same, like 10 or 15 meals all the time. We're kind of rotating through the same foods. Um, and so, yeah. And anything kind of out of the bucket, um, I, my coaching is very is very habits based. And so like, you know, like you said about meals in the bucket, looking at, looking at the diet, looking at the food log, looking at those meals that we're having regularly, where can we make improvements, swap um, you know something for something else? And then also I guess looking at how many um, meals or fun foods are you know kind of um, outside of the bucket. If we're if we're eating out um, you know daily or five, six times a week, it's really difficult to control. Both quality and quantity. When we're um, when we're not preparing our food in our own kitchen, I realize it's incredibly time consuming. It's a lot of work, um, but we definitely have you know the most control when we're you know when we're making meals at home. Um, so starting with you know some of the habits relating to may you know I guess clean. I, I was about to use the word cleaning up. Um, but making some swaps making some changes with um, the the meals that they're eating you know on a daily basis and then also kind of strategies for situations when they are you know when a client is um, away from home or out of you know out of their normal um, routine and you know you might want to have something fun or you um, like you said, drinks with friends or whatever.
1: Cool. Um, Why is finding balance, eating well, finding foods that bless your body, why is that important for people to do?
0: Well, I think that's what's going to be able to help you be consistent long-term. I mean, you know, being able, yeah, finding that balance between, you know, the kind of the fun and the the day-to-day is, um, is I know for me at least is, is what has helped me be able to be consistent with these habits long-term. I don't feel consistently restricted. Um, and if I did, I probably would have thrown in the towel a long time ago. So um, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's necessary for long-term consistency is to figure out what that balance looks like for you.
1: I also think a lot of people don't realize that you can get to a place in your life where your food is takes up very little of your day-to-day headspace. Meaning, you know, I think about when I eat a meal, the next thing I think about is my next meal cuz I just love eating food. But my point is I don't I used to worry about everything I put in my mouth all the time constantly from before I lost weight to when I was losing weight to after I lost weight and then I was trying to get in the best shape of my life, I was still thinking about all the things that were going in my mouth. And then it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I got to the point where I was like, okay, you know, this isn't healthy. I, I'm doing the same thing. It just seems from the outside, like it's better because, I mean, I guess it was better because I was healthier, but I was just as obsessed with that stuff as I was before when, when I was over-consuming food So sure. um, and Something that I think maybe people who are listening to this that feel that where they're just constantly thinking about, oh, I got I to gotta do something about it or like nutrition and food and weight and fitness is this mountain that they don't feel like they'll ever be able to overcome. I think what we're talking about, it's important to acknowledge that there's no end goal with this at all, but you can get to the point where everything that you're doing with your fitness and health and what you're imagining where you want to be can just be your daily life and you don't even think about it. And it does take some work and years to get there, but that's the path that we are all on and it's possible for people to find that.
0: Yeah, I think we don't, We I don't think we talk enough about how much work it is to feed ourselves. It's, you know, to be eating, you know, assuming three meals a day, thinking about what is that going to be? You know, is it balanced? Who's going to prepare it? Who's gone to the grocery store to, you know, to get this food so that it's in the house, ready to eat or ready to cook? Um, like you were saying, like it takes up so much. It used to take up so much space in my brain, and I'm also a mom, and I'm feeding a husband and a family, and and you know, so it was that stress times you know four. Like I you know, as a mom and I want to be feeding my family well and balanced meals, not only just for myself. Um, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And especially if you aren't even really sure, you know, like what should I cook? What should I, what's a balanced meal? What does a, a balanced plate even look like? And so coaching is a great place to work on that, um, and learn some of those skills. Um, But yeah, I just, I feel like I have some of, a lot of my life back now that I don't, when you automate these processes and you, you know, you change your habits and you do these things, eat these foods day in and day out and just be consistent with it and it becomes automatic. You don't have to worry so much about, um, you know, constantly what, what's going to be my next meal Um, unless you want to, unless you, yeah, I still think about food and you know, what my, what can I eat for lunch that will be delicious or whatever, but it doesn't, it's not, it's not a stressor in my brain. Um, and yeah. Uh,
1: something you said there that I think will be good to include in this episode is like, nobody knows where to start. And we talked about that a bit at the beginning. I know there's so many variables when it comes to developing a healthy diet and getting just the right amount of this and just the right amount of that. What, in your opinion, is is a good balance? Um, I don't even know what framework you think about this from, but like, if you had to give people listening a prescription of what should be included in their diet, tips and strategies that they should stick to so they can start making changes, what are those things?
0: Um, Well, every time you sit down to eat, we are looking for um, a serving of protein about the size of the palm of your hand. Um, Then the next thing you want on your plate is going to be some fruits or vegetables about the size of your fist, a serving about the size of your fist, maybe two. Um, And then a little bit of some kind of starchy carb, potato, pasta, um, rice, etc. But pretty much protein, fruits and vegetables, um, some kind of starchy carb, and we're going to repeat that three times a day, seven days a week, forever. Um, Half your body weight in ounces of water per day is another great habit to work on. Um, And, you know, movement, again, everybody's coming from kind of a different place, but um, you know move move more than you are already moving so that's that's my prescription and sleep sleep as much as you can and if you don't yep. get enough sleep at night take a nap
1: <laughs> cool you're a nap queen
0: i love naps
1: i like your fitness prescription and i think a lot of people get bogged down with that like i don't know what to do for my workout because there's literally so many options for working out CrossFit people say do CrossFit, weightlifting people say do weightlifting, you know, the list literally goes on and the thing that I tell people is just do whatever is the most fun or the thing that you hate the least because I used to naively think, oh, you'll just keep doing it and you'll like it eventually. There are people that don't like exercising and I know that's true Um, and I feel bad for those people because I love exercising but they do have to exercise and they should just do the thing that they hate the least and that they'll stick to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also love to exercise. I feel really lucky and blessed at least at this point in my life. I'm loving it. Um, But yeah, I, I completely agree. The thing that you are going to be able to be consistent with um, is the, you know, the best, the best kind of fitness to do is the one that you're going to be able to stick with. I, I love fitness, and so I include a lot of different things in my fitness regimen. I know you do, too. Um, But, yeah, and I'm sure that that will change over the course of time. It already has in the 18 years or whatever since I've been an exerciser. Um, But, yeah, and I just like to try new things. So I'm always finding new, new things that I enjoy
1: cool let's talk about like the strength and conditioning side of things this is the side that I'm obviously most familiar with uh, and I know a lot of this stuff is coming from your experience and working with clients as well so strength training how important is that for the people that you work with
0: strength training is incredibly important is you know again especially for women I'm gonna kind of speak to that um, for a moment as we age, it's just so protective of our health, um, you know, regular strength training and any muscle mass that you can build and retain um, helps us maintain healthy bones, you know, stabilize um, stabilize blood sugar, um, our mood, our stress, just, you know, uh, so many different reasons um, for strength training. I think for me, the biggest, you know, the biggest thing or maybe the most surprising benefit was the confidence that the confidence boost that it gave me, just, you know, being strong and being able to lift heavy weights just kind of makes you feel like a badass.
1: Cool. Um, Am
0: I allowed to say that on this show?
1: You can say whatever you want. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, we believe in free speech here. <laughs> um With the strength training side of things, is there... I know this one's tough right because i work with people all the time it's really dependent on the person's schedule and their job and all of those variables it's really a lifestyle thing of what i do with people how many times can you get in the gym for how long that's usually the thing for me that decides when i'm working with a client how often and what type of training that they're going to do i know that you don't necessarily work directly with people who are like i would I want to squat this much weight and the performance side of things. But you do work with a lot of people who you help out with finding healthier or not healthier, finding simpler ways to include movement and strength training into their lives. Is there a recommendation that you give people, again, women specifically, because this is kind of what we're talking about on how often they should be strength training
0: yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, for anyone kind of new to strength training, I would love to see. Um, I would love to see maybe like two, two. Any, I would say two to four sessions a week. But even you can really start to to see a lot of progress, um, both you know in strength and all. I think also body composition change with just um, like two strength training sessions a week. Um, and again, like like you said depending on a lot of different factors, the schedule, how much time there is for all of that, but, um, anywhere from two to four strength tra- training sessions a week. But I think two is a good place to start for most people.
1: Cool. I asked that because that's exactly right. Like it's not that much Two forty-five 45 minute sessions where you go squat and then you deadlift or whatever you want to do is plenty. You just have to do it consistently for weeks and weeks and months and years and you're going to be in a much, much better place if you if you stick with that uh, than if you were to avoid doing stuff like that, which kind of like cues up my next question of running cardio. I know both of us feel like it's kind of an overrated thing to do uh, in terms of running and cardio is not an overrated thing to do. It's great for your heart, but when it comes to body composition goals uh and things like that i find that often women and men too look at oh i need to go for a run as a way to lose weight uh, what do you tell people who come to you with things like that
0: yeah so i mean you know like i said earlier the same was true for me i absolutely approached you know weight loss and fat loss from the beginning at, you know after my first baby Kind of as a cardio bunny, like let me get on this elliptical and go for sixty minutes and burn as many calories as I can. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think that cardio is overrated. It's not my favorite. You, I think you know that. Um, but certainly in terms of you know its impact for fat loss is overrated. Um, we definitely, you know, if you go for a two or three mile run, you're going to burn two hundred or three hundred calories. Um, but you can, you know, you can just as easily remove those, you know, that many calories from your, from your diet, um, and probably more easily than, you know, going out and running for 30 minutes and exhausting yourself. Um, so, and I think long-term too, you know, strength training is going to, it has the bigger metabolic health benefit. We definitely still need to get our heart rate up um, a couple times a week. I, you know, I try to get my heart rate up a few times a week. You know, being in different heart rate zones, CrossFit. Um, you know, for some of the higher intensity stuff, the you know running or whatever um, for some zone two cardio. But you know, all of that, like you were saying, is definitely in my in my case anyway you know, for heart health and just general health and wellness, um, but definitely overrated in terms of um, impact for for fat loss.
1: I don't know if this is actually a problem anymore. Like I, the, at least the people that I know and follow, it seemed like a couple months ago, there was a lot of people talking about a thing that people often say is, I don't want to get too bulky. I think, like I said, I've seen a lot of people talking about this. And there's a little bit less of a stigma around that. Have, have people said this to you? Is this something that you deal with a lot? I know, I've heard people say that to me. I know what I say, but I would be interested to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I wish I could get bulky. Um.
1: <laughs> That's what I say. I'm yeah, like, I've been trying yeah. to get bulky for the last seven years. I know it hasn't around.
0: happened yet. I wish somebody would. Uh, yeah, I wish I could figure it out. No, um, I mean, I think I I can't I can't really say that it's been said to me a ton. I do feel like, um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the people that I work with, a lot of the clients that I work with are coming to me from the gym, um, a CrossFit gym. And so they many of them are sort of, you know, like you and I, like looking to get bulky. Um, But, yeah, I can't I don't know if I can really remember anyone ever saying to me you know, I want you to teach me to get strong, but I don't want to get bulky um, or help me get strong. Thankfully, I haven't had anybody say that to me, but, um, but I do know that that's kind of a, um, you know, a misconception. It's very difficult to gain, um, to gain muscle mass. You have to be, you have to really be trying. You have to be lifting enough and you have to be eating enough. Um, getting bulky is probably not something that's just going to accidentally happen.
1: I don't remember who I heard say this, but it was some fitness professional probably on a podcast. And the way he, the the response he gives people when people ask him that is, how many people do you know that are over seven feet tall? And then usually people like, like, are like, where are we going with this? And he's like, no, seriously, how many people have you seen in real life that are seven feet tall? And people usually say like three, right? And then he says, that's how many people have the genetics to just be huge and bulky Without doing that much hard work for it, so the chances of you getting bulky for no reason are very small. This is going to be this is a little different. Um, what this might be a little deep. What kind of impact do you hope to have on the people that you work with?
0: I I want I want to make it easier for them day in and day out to, you know, to do some of these things that we're talking about. Like I was saying earlier about the amount of kind of space it used to take up in my brain, what am I going to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, what's going to be my workout today, et cetera. Um, And, and once I really took a period of time and devoted, you know, some additional energy to learning some of these things and developing these strategies, it's just kind of like, second nature. I just have to get up and, you know, and put one foot in front of the other, be consistent with these habits now that they're established. Um, so yeah, just helping people establish those habits so that they can get their, you know, feel like they have their lives back. feel like they have some of that time back. Um, I, through my work, I would, I, I want to help women love their bodies. Um, and, and feel confident in their skin. I want to help women learn how to feed their families better um, and feel more confident in the kitchen.
1: You know, we're talking about impact and we've talked a lot about different strategies and things like that, but I think underneath all of it, I think the same way as you, it's just ask somebody for help. Go find a coach, tell the people in your life that you're struggling with this and you want to work on it. I know that can be hard, especially. Sometimes people laugh when you tell somebody you want to make a change, or I know I've ex- personally experienced things like that. What you know, you're putting yourself out there. It's challenging to do stuff like that, but in in all reality, the best way to make long term change is to ask for help from your peers or find a coach if you can afford it. Um, just put yourself out there and and seek the help for the things that you're struggling with. Um, I know that's part of the thing that I want to help people with is I'm, I work with people that need help. That's why they're coming to see me. So as far as impact goes, you know, I think it's important to remember things like that.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just like, I think it's just like with anything that you want to get better at or learn, you know, a new sport or, um, you know, going back to school, like you find somebody who's kind of an expert in that field and you ask them to walk, you know, walk the journey with you for a little while so that you can, I do think that, you know, with, with weight loss or, you know, there seems to be like a little bit of a stigma with asking for help. It's like, we should just know how to do this on our own or, um, but, you know, absolutely find somebody who, you know, or reach out to somebody in your. I, I mentioned earlier I have a lot of clients who are um, through the CrossFit gym, but I have a, a lot of clients who are not who who don't who aren't members of the gym, and they're just people who know me, have known me for years, and I guess maybe you know watch my journey, watch me be consistent over the course of time, and um, you know, and then feel like they can reach out and, and say, I need some help and some guidance in this area. Um, so, so yeah, definitely, you know, find somebody who is an expert in what it is that you're looking to be better at and hire them to help you.
1: This is a perfect transition. I didn't even intend for that to happen. Uh, people have come to you because they know you and they've seen what you've done and they probably think that you're a good person. Uh, what to you is a good person? What does it mean to be a good person?
0: I think first and foremost, it is learning to take care of yourself. Well, um, physically, mentally and making those things a priority and you know, um, It's not all like wine in the bubble bath at the end of the day to relax. It's, you know, making time on Sunday to meal prep because, you know, you've got a busy week ahead and you are going to, you know, you're going to be too busy to cook for yourself. It's, you know, taking yourself to the gym when you really want to go home and lay on the couch. Um, So, you know, knowing what you need to do and, and doing it and holding yourself accountable to, you know, to taking as good of care of yourself as you do of other people. Um, and then again, you know, I think, too, um, being a good person is <clears throat> having meaningful work and, you know, constantly growing and you know seeking new challenges and learning new things and meeting new people and and examining different perspectives but it all starts with you
1: help yourself before you help others absolutely we'll leave it there thank you so much (laughs) for doing this
0: oh my goodness thank you for asking me
1: Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple podcasts, please leave us a rating and share the episode with somebody who you love. We'll see you next time.